and we cannot say that police and schools all fit into one category. Simply untrue. And trying to intervene before you go down that road of a kid bringing a gun into the class. I'm helping. I want to make the child whole. Isn't that the key, to be honest with you, to so much of uh, violence in our nation? And now, the Safety Zone. Welcome, folks, to an episode of The Safety Zone. I'm here with Mike McCarty. This is Melinda Ron. And Mike, today our topic is going to be about student resource officers, otherwise known as SROs. I'm in your industry, and I think as a parent, all of us have probably seen a student resource officer, whether it's actually a police officer in the schools or an independent. But we're going to talk about this because it really does have a lot to do with the protection, not only of schools, but even the kids in the schools. So Mike, welcome. Well, absolutely. And I think probably not too many more topical issues right now is over the last year, the communities have talked about what is policing mean, what should it look like in schools certainly have been talking about this. I think there have been some very, very quick decisions across the United States and a lot of communities to move police out of schools. And And I think what we want to do is just talk with our listeners and today just kind of lay some foundation of what a school resource officer mm-hmm. is. What mm-hmm. do they do? How are they different than a police officer? And I'll be honest with you, it may have some larger global implications for policing as a whole that maybe they should mm-hmm. think through what these officers do in schools, and would it make more sense if we had these same models in our communities? Communities, yes. Yes. Chase Lede is going to come on next week. Chase is the president of the Indiana Association of School Resource Officers. He's a region representative through NASRO, which is the National Association. He'll really talk from that perspective on the other side next week of the school resource officer, the training, and as he leads a team in a metropolitan school district. So, yeah, I think it's uh, good information for any parent Absolutely. or listener to have. Absolutely. And, and of course, you know, we've talked in the past about school shootings and Parkland and how does that fit in with the roles of the student resource officers. And so let's just dive in because what exactly is a student resource officer and is there a difference between a police officer that might be assigned to the school or to the schools in the district and an actual student resource officer. Yeah, no, that's that's a great place to start because a lot of what we're reading in the news media, we're hearing across the country, some of this can be state-driven. A lot of this is being driven at the school board level. But you're hearing a lot of phrases like pipeline to prison when you have police in the schools. And so it's very important to understand and have a distinction between, and in a lot of urban school districts, they have police departments. And a police department in a school setting They are functioning as a police officer would in the community where enforcing laws, enforcing policies, that is kind of the mission of a police officer in a school. That is the polar opposite of what a specially trained NASRO certified school resource officer does in a school. Enforcement is not their number one mission. Their number one mission, it's mentoring, it's building relationships, Mm -hmm. it's intervening and working with kids at a much younger level. So if you look at Parkland, it's not to wait 
till this kid shows up at school right. with a weapon. We failed at that point. We should have been building a relationship with this kid years before he ever made a decision to come to school with a weapon. And then the response from that officer, that's a, that is the, probably the best example I can provide of the importance of recruiting the right kind of people into yes. your organization. And I know a friend of mine, interestingly enough, his dad and my dad both graduated from the Indiana State Police Academy together. Neither one of us knew this when we first met each other and started working with each other. He leads the school resource officers in another metropolitan school district, but he's also the president of NASRO. And DJ was telling me one time, he was like, recruiting somebody to work in the schools out of the police department is a very meticulous process because even good police officers aren't necessarily wired to work in the school because it is a paradigm shift from what they've been doing. Mm. And they have to be able to build relationships. They have to look at this as a totally different role than what it is in a patrol car in the community working in a patrol zone. So the first thing we want to do is say, hey, there is a big distinction. You cannot say that police and schools all fit into one category. Mm. Simply untrue. And you don't want a, well, especially with adolescents, you don't want a situation where it's an adversarial role. Teens, preteens, that's not going to go over well. So having someone, like you said, that's that really cares about the kids, that's building the relationships. And, and like you said, in Parkland, this young man, there were so many red flags. And to have someone there that could have intervened, could have, I mean, I know that's a what if, but could have. Mm -hmm made a whole difference, couldn't it? I'm going to make some basic assumptions mm -hmm. here, and they can be wrong, but I don't think they are. The officer that went and hid behind the tree instead of reacting, what we've seen sometimes, especially as school resource officer programs were adopted and departments, maybe in smaller agencies, they don't have a large pool of officers to pick or choose from. What we would see years ago is this trend towards somebody at the tail end of their career. They've got 18, 19, 20 years on. Maybe they need 25 to retire. They want to move over to the schools because they felt like, hey, this is a safe environment. You know, I'm going to ride out my last few years. It's going to be laid back. Sometimes I wear a polo shirt. I'm probably, until we started seeing some more of these armed intruders, yeah. it's not really a dangerous position. Not on the front line. That's not on the front line, mm -hmm. but that is not who we want here. Well, I spent only 10 years in law enforcement, but internally, oftentimes we talked about the officers we worked with that were retired on duty. They were just showing up, government employee riding out their career, did only the basic things they were required to do to get by. We were out there answering all the calls, doing all the work. And so we had a problem with them. We don't need them retiring into the school system. I think that's probably what happened in Parkland. He didn't feel for the kids. There was no, as a human being and as a police officer, I get, we don't know how you're going to react until we dip you in hot water. But I'm telling you, instinctually with kids, I don't think you hide behind a tree 
with kids in danger. So I think that's an illustration of just making sure that we're recruiting the right people in mm-hmm. and that they're NASRO trained. That's a different model than just a police officer in a police department in a school district. So Mike, what what is the predominant, if you, if you know in the terms of the school districts, what is the predominant method that they use? Is it a, a resource officer, student resource officer? Is it a part of the police department of the city, of the area that's in there? Is it a hybrid? Yeah. Typically how this works is there is some agreement, memo of understanding, contractual agreement between the school district, the police department. And generally, this could vary, but most of the time, the, the school district might be compensating 50% of the salary of that officer assigned to the school. And a lot of times you may see these officers when school's not in session, holidays, Christmas breaks, summers, they may actually go back and work the street. Yes. So there's usually an agreement between the district and the police department to provide those services. But the role once they come in if they've been specially trained, they're more of an educator. They're more of a relationship builder. The problem we see right now is we're making decisions about removing officers from schools without distinguishing specially trained SRO versus police, but we're making these based on emotions, not data. Yes. This is based on feelings and emotions It has nothing to do with data. Why do I say that? Because there's no data. Hmm. And so we actually have built an SRO app, and we've got it in the hands of several hundred school resource officers around the country and hope to expand that as we go into the next school year, where they can very quickly with their thumb document what they're doing every day. Now you can begin as a school district, a community, begin to understand if I'm specially trained, what am I doing? How many arrests do I really make? Is that number really, a, mm. you know, are, are, is it indicative of a pipeline to prison? What we're finding in the data, and we're hearing it consistently from the, the, the officers that lead the teams, we're doing way more than we thought we were doing. We go to school building A to teach a class, but what happens is Melinda steps out of her classroom, Mike steps out of his classroom. The next thing you know, we do four different things. None of them enforcement, maybe a referral to child services. Maybe I'm going to do a home visit. I'm helping. I want to make the child whole. Mm. And so now they can start to document this. So 12 months from now in the districts that have adopted this in the police departments, they're going to be able to look at data and say, this is exactly what we do every day. And it's also, correct me if I'm wrong in applying it, but isn't it also a a trail that you can use to monitor red flags or to see a possible route of violence as a part of, because really it's all about prevention, right? Everything you do, of course, is prevention. But even as the SRO, it's really about prevention and, and trying to intervene before you go down that road of a kid bringing a gun into the class. The last 10 or 15 years, we've talked a lot about and we've seen lots of programs developed for bullying, right? Mm -hmm. How do we rid our school systems of bullying? How do we get rid of this? One of the things that the activity app can do, and it's based on kind of NASRO criteria, and as they select, if they've got some kind of incident that they're documenting quickly, they can tag that to 
a person, a student. It's very protected data, so it's built in a way of protecting that data because of FERPA. But they could also, then that becomes a reporting function for leaders that can run reports. And it might be that I'm a uh, an SRO that has an interaction today. And maybe as part of that interaction, we had a child that's bullying another child in sixth grade. And we document that and we intervene and we provide services and we, we're trying to stop that behavior. Hopefully that behavior stops and we, we take care of that behavior. But if the behavior doesn't stop, what happens is they may end up at the high school in a couple of years. Maybe it's a whole new administration. It obviously is. And it might be a different school resource officer in larger yeah. school districts. There may be multiple SROs. Now that school resource officer doesn't know any of the freshmen coming in. But as they query a report, they may find they have a new incident, but it's involving the same person bullying the same person that started in sixth grade. So now we're going to have to push a little bit harder because we see there's a pattern of behavior here. So you have an so information trail. You can, Voila, it's based right? on data. Something that we have to have is that yes. information I'm going to call it a pipeline, but the data, but that carries through. So like you said, when you've got a bigger school district, this new SRO isn't necessarily blindsided. If he's got some information, especially on maybe ones that are at risk or where there have been issues. Fantastic. Mike. I mean, isn't that yeah. the key, to be honest with you, to so much of a violence in our nation? You yeah. know? But if you look at that, Secret Service report that came out, I believe it was the fall of 2019. 2019, yes. Yeah, because I think the whole pandemic's thrown me off a Yes, year. we've lost a year, yes. But I have gone back to this on a number of the podcasts and we've talked, but I, I can't say this enough that the director of the Secret Service says active shooter events in schools are preventable, but you only can prevent them by connecting these red flags early. Yes. And bullying is a huge component yes. of why somebody seeks some kind of justice or revenge because of what's been happening to them. And so, again, you can't connect these dots without data, making decisions without data. I run a company. I don't base my decisions on what we're going to do on feelings. How do I feel today? Some days I feel different than others, and I'm going to make some wonky decisions on days I'm in a bad mood or not feeling right. I need data. I make decisions on what we're doing based on data. And SROs are sitting on really no data. Now they have police department incident reporting systems and things of that nature, but those are very complex. That's where it typically goes when it becomes more of an enforcement Right. Spots. Right. Where there's where you have something that's already happened, right? Versus yes. leading up to yeah. you know the predecessors for better luck of words that lead up to that incident. Which that's I a small percentage of what they're doing mm -hmm. when in fact ninety five, ninety eight, ninety nine, we don't know yet, but the vast majority of what they do is not enforcement. Right. I find it fascinating, Mike, that we really haven't had that. And yet when I think about other, not to get off the SROs, but just the dovetail, the, the lack of data or connecting, I, I'm thinking about the church in Texas, Sutherland, 
where there was information on the man, domestic violence and the information on the man, but the military, one of the departments of the military, it hadn't connected that to or put the data in. So where there wasn't, there was no connecting of information. And I think we've talked about this before, that, that importance in domestic violence or whatever it may be, to have the data and then to have it connecting. So the app that you're talking about and being able to actually have that that carries through so another SRO officer can can see this is wonderful. I mean, it needs to be input in so many different areas. Yeah. And I've got some feelings and I've got assumptions that I understand what SROs do. And, and some of that's based on, I have an older cousin, police officer for 30 years, and I think he spent 15 in the schools. My brother, before he became a police administrator, was a school resource officer. So I've got family that have done this. I, I'm making some basic assumptions, but I, I'll be honest with you, the data is going to tell the truth. And whatever the data tells me, that will be the truth. But I think I have a pretty good idea as we've seen the data start to come in what this looks like. And so I think if, if I'm a school district, if I'm a school administrator, I've got a friend who's an assistant superintendent of school district. And he said, as, I, as he's talking to his superintendent, that they want to add a second school resource officer in their district. And what's the superintendent ask? What do they do and how do I justify it? Mm. You're asking me to add an expense on the budget and present it to the school board. How do I justify that? They've adopted the app, so they'll be able to have some data over the next school year to be able to say exactly what the current SRO is doing in those buildings. And so the school districts have are able to look into it. The school boards will be able to look into the data to see exactly what is happening in their community. And if they see things, we can actually show if a police department in a school district adopted this and they're not specially trained, we would be able to tag them in the app so that we could do comparative data. We could say in schools with no training that maybe enforcement is a much larger percentage of what they do than in not yes. just enforcement-based environments. So there's a lot that can happen with the data. I just think we need to, one, get it in more schools across the country and start to look at the data and see what the data shows us. Now, Mike, do the in, in terms of the SROs and some of the national discussions about defunding the police, is there a connection there that to the schools? And in, in, in other words, if, if it's a somewhat of a resource officer, if they're trained as a resource officer, but they're a, they're a police officer in the community, does that affect? Are they like the first to go if, if there's a defunding issue? Could be. The, that'll be interesting to watch as we've seen some of these defunding movements, which is interesting because we've seen some of these very fast defunding movements eight or nine months ago, and the crime rates have accelerated in those communities, and now they're pouring funding back in. Not surprising. So, not surprising. <laughs> I mean, law mind. and order is a foundational piece of any society, but don't make an assumption that I'm of the mindset that there isn't opportunity for changing the way we police. Right. And right. I'm, I absolutely. totally have belief systems. Yes, but, we've but, talked about that in recruiting and the types and absolutely. But you know what? How are you going to recruit? We talked about this 30 by 30, where we want 30% of a police department to be female by 2030. 
How are we recruiting women and minorities into policing? First of all, how do you recruit anybody into policing today? I come, my, my grandfather, my father, my cousin, my brother, me, my wife. I've got a family filled with former law enforcement, some still current. You know what all of us tell our kids or grandkids? No way are you going into law enforcement. We will do everything we can to keep you out. Why? Because it is such a perceived negative environment. Now you're going to say, well, we solved this with better recruiting. Good luck with that one. Show me a poster where this looks like a job everybody wants. And you're going to pay you such little amounts of money that you'll have to work two jobs to get by. Right. But for me, who was the best model for recruiting the type of people we want into policing? We want people who can think. We want people that have broad abilities to reason. I don't want people that are just looking to be told what to do all the time or think that policing is about locking people up. It is not about just locking people up. But an SRO in education, in the school, giving some kids who have never interacted with police or the only interaction they've had with police is a negative interaction inside their home or on a traffic stop. They don't know a real police officer. Now they get to know this officer. That officer can become the best advocate Mm -hmm. for recruiting the kind of people we have to have in law enforcement. But now you're going to move them out of the school and there's no opportunity. So, I mean, you're just defeating everything we're trying to do to make law enforcement better, to get rid of the people that shouldn't be there. Right. And fill them with people we want there. And it almost seems like the the role of the SRO in the schools, to be honest with you, is would be a, a good uh, job description for police officers in the community, of which I know there are many in my community that are just wonderful, that they're oh, yeah. relational, not just enforcement. You know, many of them that I've been really impressed with our community's police officers, they they help people and they really build bridges, not only with the community members, which is vital, but the businesses and the, the kids and the youth. And uh, they often show up at, at all of the different celebratory events and, and youth events and a lot of really what you're talking about on the SROs, it's like you really kind of need to see that kind of application in, in the policing in a community, correct? Well, it's the whole community policing concept. It started in the 90s. And I can tell you when I first started in policing and this whole community policing mentality was kind of being pushed more from a federal level, like there's funding and you need to be doing community policing. And you know, I thought it was very interesting that we had to hire these extraordinarily expensive consultants to come in and map what it means to be a community police officer. I mean, it was foundationally, I, I sent my dad, you know, I called him back then. I said, wow, he was with the Indiana State Police for like 30 years. And he used to get negative reviews periodically because he didn't write enough tickets, wasn't doing enough enforcement. But I can't go anywhere even yet today with that 76-year-old man that he didn't know everybody because he was in the markets. He was in. Exactly. People were knocking on our doors. People were telling him things. People were looking for help. And so this whole community policeman movement started, but it was all about money. It was about funding and federal dollars that were going to flow down if you were doing these community policing. It didn't change behaviors. 
It didn't cause them to recruit people that had a mindset of serving the community. There was just such a mentality. When I first came into policing, I worked in very high crime urban environments, and it would be very easy to have adopted an us versus them mentality. But because I was immersed in that community, what I realized, because I didn't go into the community, make an arrest and leave, I was in the community. I walked into the markets. I talked to the kids standing on the corner that I knew were slinging dope. And I can remember talking to a young boy and I, and his name was Rico. And I said, Rico, your life expectancy is about 21 if you don't make some changes. Rico didn't listen. Rico died. He got shot in the back of the head. Somebody else wanted that. But what I learned is most of the people in those communities wanted the same thing I wanted. They were held prisoner in those communities. They weren't against me. They weren't fighting against policing. They were prisoners in a community held hostage by a small number of a people. A small number. Mm -hmm. But if you let that jade you and you think that whole community is against you, then that's how you treat people. Yes. That us, so, that us versus them is a real, hate to say it, a powerful force in a negative, usually. I mean, we see that, and we won't go off into the discussion, but we see that even politically in our world. It, yeah. It's if even on the political side of the spectrum, if we actually looked at more as people and community and working together to find a solution to the problem versus this us versus them, all it does yeah. is create hostility and division. And we, and we see that widespread, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Takes real people to get things done. I'll leave it at that. I think Chase will be very enlightening next week to hear from somebody that's been a police officer a long time, but who is very active in the School Resource Officer Association at the state level and the national level and really understand what he does, what his teams do every day. What, what does his world look like? And I think you'll find it's very different than what you think it is and what they're doing every day. Yeah, and we're looking forward to that. And, and I know we say this often because it's just so critical, but even on the SRO side and, and diving into this little more, the app that you've created through Safe Hiring Solutions and also just the fact of what we see in the world, prevention. Yes, we have to have, obviously, we have to react to crime, but the critical component is prevention, is preventing these things before they happen, especially when there are trails and when there are situations like Secret Service stated, I believe, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, that all, I think they said all of the school shootings were preventable, that there had been red flags or there had there were things that could have been done uh, yeah. to intervene. And, and I, I'm personally excited about the SROs and and what they do, I'm really looking forward to hearing our speaker next week because I think it's really critical for not only for schools, but for parents, but for the community, for our youth to put them on a trajectory that is positive and to intervene before we get down those paths that ended violence. So, and the app that you're doing, like you said, data, 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 right? Information, how important it is for information. It's no matter how you feel, if you feel the police should be removed, if you feel the police should stay, I think it's fair to say, let's take a pause here and let's collect some data mm -hmm. and let the data determine whether or not what we think is happening is really happening. Exactly. Well, Mike, another 
another fruitful program. And as always, I like to uh, pinpoint if there's anyone in our listening audience that works at a school, a parent that want more information on SROs, but especially on this new app that you've created. What is the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, they can go right on safehiringsolutions.com. They can fill out a contact us and we can give them all kinds of information on the SRO and the activity app. Wonderful. All right. Well, we will see everyone next week and have a very stimulating conversation with someone who knows all about being an SRO. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by Safe Hiring Solutions, a nationwide company that offers comprehensive, industry-leading, real-time security solutions for companies, schools, churches, and nonprofit organizations.